From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Yes, it is. It is WIA National News, and I'm Graham VK4 BB. This news for week commencing June 16, 2013. RSGB Centenary Day, July 5. The RSGB patron, HRH, the Duke of Edinburgh, is indisposed and, as a result, will not be able to present on the Society's Centenary Day. Her Majesty's Lord Lieutenant of Buckinghamshire, Sir Henry Aubrey Fletcher, BTJP, has kindly agreed to officiate in his stead. And our thoughts are with His Royal Highness the Duke of Edinburgh in this two months of recuperation. As we mentioned in last week's news, the new WIA board has been formed. News in this week is that the new WIA board has scheduled its first board meeting to take place next week using an online video conference technology known as GoToMeeting. WIA Director Robert Broomhead, VK3DN, said this week that being able to have regular monthly meetings using video conference technology will help to improve communications between the various board members as well as reducing costs to the WIA associated with holding face-to-face meetings. At its first meeting, the WIA board will formally elect its president and vice president and will be discussing a number of important matters, including progress on the ACMA's evaluation of the high-power trial. This is VK1 WIA. All points of contact from today's news stories are to be found in print when you read the web editions, www.wia.org.au. Now let's see what's happening around Australia. Community broadcasters with spurious signals. An Australian and Communications Authority audit of FM community radio transmit sites found a huge 28% of them sending out spurious emissions along with the allocated frequency. The ACMA says this could potentially cause interference to the nearby aviation band and safety of aircraft. It wants community broadcasters to maintain clean signals on air. Most problems seem to be fixed by the use of antenna filters that limit the emission of unwanted spurious signals. And of course I'm sure the two community stations that take this WIA national news service, namely Tank FM in Kempsey and Trax FM 105.1 Upper Spencer Gulf, would never fall into this category. Winter VHF UHF Field Day. The Winter VHF UHF Field Day has snuck our modest. It's going to be held the weekend of June 22 and 23. The field day includes sections for portable home and rover stations and if you prefer, you can enter the six-hour section rather than the full 24 hours. Full details were published back in the May issue of Amateur Radio magazine and you can download full details and scoring sheets from the contest webpage on wia.org.au. Moon bounce from Antarctica. The exploits of Craig Howe VK0JJJ and bouncing radio signals off the moon from Mawson has been written about in the Australian Antarctic Division Science Newsletter. VK0JJJ achieved a 742,000 kilometre hop when he made an EME contact with Peter G8BCG at Cornwall, England on May 4. Two nights later he contacted via moon bounce Bo SM7FJE in Sweden. He seemed to say that now everybody in Europe and USA wanted an EME contact. Now that the equipment and software has been proven a success, more EME contacts will be made. 
The newsletter hailed it as a first from an Australian Antarctic station. And Craig VK0JJJ said the technical challenges were immense, but with modern high-speed computers and sophisticated software, it has become a lot easier. During his recreation period, he's also on HF bands, often causing pile-ups with his unique location. From VK0 to VK1, and VI100ACT commemorates the centenary of Canberra, the capital of we here in Australia. Canberra Region Amateur Radio Club members are still activating the special event call right through until the 31st of December. Low frequencies through to VHF. VI100ACT. VK3 and July 14. Gips Tech will be held on 12th to the 14th of July 2013. Churchill. Further information, you can contact Nick, VK3VFO. Actually, probably a better email... And I know we don't normally give emails, but uh, this one's only a month or so away. Further information, try vk3bez.org. North Queensland Amateur Radio Convention, yes, sits to VK4, and the 21st biennial North Queensland Amateur Radio Convention will be happening in Charters Towers, definitely on Thursday the 3rd to Monday the 7th of October, with primary venue and events happening at the Charters Towers Golf Club from afternoon Friday 4 to Sunday afternoon October 6th. Displays, talks, awards, raffles, prizes, a homebrew afternoon, even some golfing combined with ARDF, the monster auction and some serious socialising will be all a part of the convention proceedings. There are some school reunions happening at the same time and motel and and cabin accommodation is scarce, but it can be had if you ring around or head out online. But whatever you do, book your accommodation now. In VK9, the RSGB tell us that VK3DAC is currently operational as VK9DAC from Christmas Island. Iota reference OC002. He is active on 10 to 80 metre bands. Have a listen out for VK9DAC Christmas Island. The Wireless Institute of Australia paves the way for new amateurs to our bands. What use is an F call? In 2005, there were no F calls in Australia. Today, there are more F-calls than standard licences. Clearly, there is an influx of amateurs coming from the introduction of the Foundation licence. I know that there are many amateurs who want F-calls to upgrade their licence. This is not a new phenomenon. In the past, there were Z-calls who were encouraged to upgrade their licence. I suspect if I spend enough time doing research and talking to hams who have been around the block, I'll find that there are examples going back to the dawn of amateur radio. In fact, a ham, i.e. us, is an example of that. In the official world of radio telegraphy, a hundred years ago, us amateurs were not taken seriously as a group. Funny to think that today there are still people who distinguish themselves from amateurs by calling themselves professional. My point is this, being encouraged to upgrade or gain skill is nothing new. It's been around for over a century, and it will continue long after everyone listening today has become a silent key. Do I want to have a higher license than the one I have? Well, perhaps. Right now, I'm spending my time learning about anything and everything. For me, amateur radio is a way to escape from my daily grind as a professional in my field, and escape to the joy of learning new things. Getting a license, that is of a higher class, is in and of itself not an end point. At the moment, I'm learning Morse. I'm learning about Morse keys, 
figuring out how to set my radio up for portable operation in a simpler way than I've been doing to date, and finding the time to participate in this amazing community. Will I always be a foundation license holder? Who knows? I've got an HR truck license and I've been toying with upgrading it to an MC, but I know plenty of people who didn't get more than their car license. What you want to get out of Amateur Radio is up to you. There are going to be people around you wanting to encourage you to learn, regardless of your license, but there will also be those who will look down their nose at what they see as a lowly F-call. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo. From the WIA News Hub in Sydney and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. A good book for F-calls and all we amateurs comes from the ARRL. Hello there, I'm Jason, VK2LAW, and you're listening to VK1 WIA. Yes, the ARRL has published a new book called Radio Science for the Radio Amateur. The 190-page book explores and explains the often profound differences between science and technology and dispels the notion that we know all there is to know about radio. Using a fresh, playful approach, author Eric Nichols, KL7AJ, will guide you through some of the most fascinating nooks and crannies of the radio universe. Along the way, you'll find out how solving long-standing mysteries of radio, of which there are still many, doesn't require expensive hardware, but merely a scientific mindset and attention to detail. Military Tanks Control A new radio system being installed at Fort Gordon in the USA should enhance emergency communications across the area, but it's causing mass frustration with hundreds of homeowners who have been locked out of their garages because of jammed remote control signals. The confusion started last week when Fort Gordon unexpectedly upgraded its land mobile radios to a 390 MHz bandwidth, the same frequency used in many automatic garage door remotes. As a result, nearly 500 residents have called or visited the overhead door company of Augusta to complain about garage doors that fail to open and close on command. Most complaints have been reported along Gordon Highway, Faulty remotes have been encountered as far as 15 miles away from Fort Gordon. Perceptive radio adapts to where it is. A radio that is able to change the context of a broadcast depending on where you are and what you're doing has been demonstrated by the BBC. The perceptive radio, created by Ian Forrester of the corporation's future media division, is thought to be a world first. For its initial showing, the team produced a computer-generated radio drama where the script altered depending on factors such as weather. This proof-of-concept drama used a computer-generated voice for one of the characters and could adapt on the fly, according to data pulled from external sources. For instance, it could make reference to local places, which would differ from the script depending on where in the world a listener is. Dust off. Several vials of moon dust brought back to Earth by the first men on the moon have been found inside a lab warehouse in California, this after sitting in storage unnoticed for more than 40 years. Amateur Radio Newsline Cheryl Lassick, K9BIK, reports. Many of you likely remember those fuzzy live pictures from the moon's surface. When astronaut Neil Armstrong became the first human being to set foot on an alien world, we also watched as Armstrong and his Apollo 11 crewmate, Buzz Aldrin, collected samples from the lunar surface before returning with them to Mother Earth. Now some four decades later, 
Some of the samples that Armstrong and Aldrin brought back with them were recently rediscovered by an archivist with the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory. Karen Nelson, who made the surprising discovery, said in a statement that they don't know how or when the samples ended up in storage. She says that she came across about 20 vials with handwritten labels dated 24 July 1970, packed in a vacuum-sealed glass jar. Accompanying the jar was an academic paper published in the Proceedings of the Second Lunar Science Conference in 1971. It was titled, Study of Carbon Compounds in Apollo 11 and Apollo 12 Returned Lunar Samples. All of the authors of the paper were from the University of California, Berkeley Space Sciences Laboratory. This included Nobel Prize winning chemist Melvin Calvin, who worked with NASA on efforts to protect the moon from Earth contamination during the first lunar landing, as well as how to protect those on Earth from unknown pathogens that might have been lurking on the moon's surface. It turns out the moon dust samples were supposed to have been sent back to NASA after the Space Sciences Laboratory team finished their research on them. But for some unknown reason, they instead ended up in storage. After making the discovery, Nelson then got in touch with NASA officials. They, in turn, permitted her to open the jar to remove the vials before she returned them to the space agency and making for a happy ending to a four-decade-old story that began on the surface of the moon. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Cheryl Essek, K9BIK in Zion, Illinois. The International Amateur Radio Union's Region 1 Electromagnetic Compatibility Working Group has invited its members as well as observers from all national societies to attend their meeting. This will take place in Friedrichshafen, Germany, Friday, June 28th. The meeting will be held from 12 to 13.30 local time at the same venue as last year. Details on how to find the meeting room can be obtained from the Deutsche Amateur Radio Club or IARU booths in the main convention hall or from the convention's operations personnel. More, including a group of EMC Working Group members, is online at tinyurl.com slash iaru-r1-emc-2013. Those stories from the Amateur Radio Newsline. You're tuned to the WIA National News Service across Australia. I'm Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In VK7, it can be heard on HF on 80, 40, 20 and 10 metres, 6 and 2 metre repeaters around Tasmania, and also HF and UHF CB in the Hobart area from 9am on Sundays and is followed by the VK7 regional news broadcast at 9.30am. I'm Justin, VK7 Tango Whiskey. News, talk and radio sport, here with VK1 WIA. Operational news, I'm Felix, VK4 FUQ, Dateline 2013. Worldwide International Museums Weekends, June 15 and 16 and 22-23. 160 metres phone and 8160 metres CW and digital trans Tasman contest 20 July 8 pm to 2 am. VK Harry Angel Memorial Sprint May 3, 2014. Special event stations DX and Beacon and Netvice. Improved ready performance from DX Expeditions. A leading DXer has objectively analysed 36 recent expeditions with a total of 2 million contacts to find only 6.7% of all QSOs were in RITI. Ernie Walls, VK3FM, writing in the June edition of the WIA journal Amateur Radio Magazine, is in praise of the good job done by D-Expeditions activating far-flung DX entities. However, while most D-Expeditions prepare well to service the CW and SSB demands by having good operators, they miss the boat when it comes to RITI. 
He said the mode was arguably the fastest growing on the bands and those using it deserved better from D-Expeditions. Ernie of EK3FM claimed that, in general, D-Expeditions don't maximise the mode, place enough resources behind it and quite often leave it to relatively inexperienced and sometimes those apparently not terribly interested in RITI. Only 2 out of 35 D-Expeditions surveyed produced their RITI ratio above 15%, which Ernie of EK3FM suggests indicates the current demand. He believed it was time that every well-planned expedition select a skilled Ritty expert to give it the best shot, rather than leaving Ritty as an afterthought. The full story, Can a Small Pistol Station Offer Useful Advice to a Big Gun expedition can be read on pages 32 and 33 of the magazine. The VU7KV Luxard Web Islands operation last month has been approved for DXCC credit. If anyone had this contact rejected in a recent submission, send an email to bmore.org to be placed on the list for an update to your record. F5SWB is on the air as TU5DF from the Ivory Coast through to October. Activity on all of the high-frequency bands. QSL via F5SWB. Broadcast monitoring SWL and scanner news. BBC World Service has confirmed that MF transmissions to Israel and other parts of the Middle East have resumed for 10 hours per day on 1323 kHz. This gives listeners breakfast listening and then drive time and evening coverage from about 4pm to 10pm. Steve Tidrington, World Service Commissioning Editor, says We had a huge response to the end of MW transmissions in Israel and we are responding positively to listeners' demands for a return to of the BBC broadcasts. Intruder Watch, Enforcement Zone IARU Monitoring System Newsletter The latest newsletter reports a UK military Stanag 4285 station, which is believed to be in Norwich, has been on 14236.8 kHz. Also in the newsletter, Mario DG0JBJ reported during May no less than 11 over-the-horizon radars on 20 metres. 65 over-the-horizon radars on 15 metres and 30 over-the-horizon radars on 10 metres, not including the numerous jumping Iranian over-the-horizon radars. Now to awards, and again this week it's to another Risman's Redcliffe Club's award. Last week I outlined to you the VK9 award, which is one of the three awards sponsored by the Redcliffe Amateur Radio Club. This week I want to briefly outline the Tobar Award. Now the Tobar Award is an armchair ride around Australia by amateur radio. You make progressive contacts as you go. The award can be completed using any or all bands, all modes, including EchoLink. Shortwave listeners are also eligible to participate in this award and to qualify their log must include the call signs of both stations that they claim. To complete the award requires contact with amateur radio stations located in 19 cities and towns around Australia. The first and final contact must are deemed to be the Redcliffe checkpoint, regardless of the participant's QTH, and this contact must be a, a with a member of the Redcliffe and District Seminar Radio Club. Now, the towns and cities that must be contacted are Redcliffe, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Lismore, Sydney, Canberra, Melbourne, Hobart, Adelaide. Perth, Darwin, Mount Isa, Cairns, Townsville, Mackay, Rockhampton, Bundaberg, Mirraburra, the Sunshine Coast and back to Redcliffe. Now for Sydney and the other 
major cities, all amateur stations in the greater metropolitan area of that city are included as the major city. Now to do this armchair tour, you can go from Redcliffe North or Redcliffe South. It doesn't really make any difference which way you go, but you must get the contact with the stations. It must be in the order in the uh, cities and towns which I read to you before. Now, if you want more details about this particular contest, please go to the Redcliffe Amateur Radio Club website and get all the details from there. Thanks, Ray. Now, it is the WIA National News. I tell you what, if you want an early cup of coffee today, I think we might wrap this news up in well, around about seven minutes. So, of course, in VK4, in fact, right around, you'll hear the local news coming up right after this WIA National News. And that'll happen all in about seven minutes from now. From the WIA News Hub in Melbourne and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group News. Worldwide Special Interest Group's ARDF. JT1CS reports that the Mongolian Radio Sports Federation has organised the first ARDF event for 2013. Spring leader ARDF 144 MHz was for young and new ARDFers. Taking part in the event were 32 male and female contestants with nine referees. They're training new and older ARDFers between events and this year they're planning to send several ARDFers to South Korea for the championships in September. Worldwide Special Interest Group News, Final Frontier. Ham TV from the International Space Station. The frequencies of 2422 MHz and 2437 MHz have been announced for a new ham radio digital TV transmitter that will operate as an educational adjunct from the International Space Station. The main mission of what's being called Ham TV is to perform school contacts between the astronauts on board the ISS and educational institutions on the ground. This by providing space station-to-ground video from within the ARIS program. To accomplish this, the ISS will host a new S-band video transmitting station in addition to the existing VHF-FM ham band transceiver. The new equipment will have the ability to transmit images from orbit during the school contacts. It will also be able to broadcast other pre-recorded video images up to 24 hours a day to allow ground stations to tune up. Worldwide Special Interest Group News, Internet, the Ham's Domain. Happy birthday to the PDF file format. The original PDF file format, version 1.0, was born 15th of June 1993, that's 20 years ago. A creative new document solution was born. Its name was the Portable Document Format, commonly known as PDF, and it changed the world forever. Thanks to the PDF, we now live in a world where printing is a choice, not a requirement. Where we can securely sign and send a document instantaneously, not by mail. And where we can collaborate with peers without using a red pen. Worldwide Special Interest Group's IOTA. Canadian Arctic IOTAs to be activated. 
Mike VE2XB is currently active from the Canadian High Arctic Iota Dorset Island NA156 as VY0BRR and he states it's freezing. He's planning to activate other rare iotas from within the region of Nunavut. His QTH is Cape Dorset, an Inuit hamlet located in Dorset Island near Fox Peninsula at the southern tip of Baffin Island. Mike is looking to travel to other places in Nunavut and he will activate some very rare iotas including Coral Harbour, Southampton Island NA007, Belcher Islands NA196 to name just a few. He also says maybe I'll travel to some rare iotas in the Northwest Territories or NWT to the west and maybe to Yukon too, that's VY1. Also whilst in the region, listen up for CK3C commemorating the 100th anniversary of the Canadian Arctic Expedition 1913-1916 on and until July. Worldwide Special Interest Group's QRP and Weak Signal Communications World QRP Day. On Monday the 17th of June, it's World QRP Day. Switch off the amplifier and turn down the power of your rig and try QRP power. How many kilometres per watt can you achieve? You'll be amazed at what you can achieve with QRP. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio. Today, Sunday the 16th of June, is the Towser Strand Swim, a qualifying event for the Maggie Island to Townsville Swim happening in July. Even now, you may be able to help if you take your handheld radio and a supply of batteries for up to five hours of operating portable at the award-winning Strand Precinct. Well, that's it. That's all the news I have for you this week. This has been Robert, VK3DN, reporting from Melbourne. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In the Brisbane area, it can be heard on 1843 kHz AM at 0900 local time Sunday mornings. I'm Terry, VK4Alpha, Alpha Tango. On the social scene, July 14, in VK3, it's the Gipstech, and it'll be held the 12th to the 14th of July at Churchill, and further information, vk3bz.org. July 20 in VK3, Gippsland Gate Radio and Electronics Club Hamfest. July 20 in VK4, Caboolture Hamfest at 9am. And at 10am, it's the Albury Rodonga Amateur Radio Club's Hamfest on July 28. August 11 in VK2, Sarkfest, 414 Richmond Hill Road near Lismore. And August 17 to 18, worldwide, it's the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. Australia and Germany have by far the most registrations so far in this year's International Lighthouse Lightship Weekend, just nine weeks away. Up there also is a strong representation from the USA, England and Argentina with 260 registrations from 30 countries. Attention is now focused on who'll grab the coveted 300th spot. The International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend, August 17 and 18, sees radio amateurs go portable from lighthouses, lightships and marine beacons. For more information or to register, visit the website illw.net. October 3-7 to 7 in VK4 is the North Queensland Amateur Radio Convention at Charters Towers. November 2 in VK4, the Gold Coast Amateur Radio Society's Hamfest at Albert Waterways Hall, that's just near the casino. 
November 3 and VK5 Hamfest, Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society at Goodwood. November 15 to 17 in VK3 Victorian National Parks Weekend. And wrapping up the year on the social scene, November 24, VK3 Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club, the Rosebud Radio Fest. Now, until next we meet, I'm Graham, VK4BB. Walk softly. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported. You decide.